Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to New Books and Poetry. I am your host, Jen Fitzgerald. Today will be a departure from our standard format of inviting a poet on to discuss a new collection. I would love to speak with our poet, but he tragically committed suicide on September 30th of this year at the age of 24. Chu Li Qi was a factory worker for Foxconn in Shenzhen, China. Foxconn is a Taiwanese multinational electronics contract manufacturing company who is responsible for the production of many of the world's iPhones. It also has a long and documented history of worker exploitation. Xu Li Qi was one of many Foxconn workers who committed suicide because they couldn't bear another moment in a glorified labor camp. The difference between Xu Li Qi and the others is that he was a poet. His short life left us with poems that not only illuminate the realities of factory work in China, but also draw attention to worker plights globally. The micro speaks to the macro, and our long histories carry on into today. I have invited three distinguished poets, activists, and scholars to speak with us today about Xu Li Qi, his poetry, labor activism and art, and the state of blue-collar and labor poetry in the United States. I would like to fully introduce each of them here. Mark Nowak, a 2010 Guggenheim Fellow, is the author of Coal Mountain Elementary, Coffee House Press, 2009, and Shut Up, Shut Down, Coffee House Press, 2004, a New York Times editor's choice. He designs and facilitates poetry workshops for trade unions and worker centers across the United States, European <laughs> Union, and South Africa. A native of Buffalo, Nowak currently directs the MFA program at Manhattanville College in Purchase, New York. Chen Ching Wu received her PhD from UCLA, is Associate Professor at the Division of Humanities at the Hong Kong University of Science and Technology. Her book, Modern Archaics, Continuity and Innovation in the Chinese Lyric Tradition, 1900-1937, was published by Harvard University Asia Center Press, in 2013. Prior to joining the faculty of HKUST, Wu taught at Wesleyan University for eight years. Her research concerns the literary and intellectual history of modern China, image and text relationship, and studies of emotion. Rodrigo Toscano is currently at work on a long poem titled Explosion Rocks Springfield, which will be published by Fence Books next year. His latest book is Deck of Deeds, Counterpath Press, 2012. Collapsible Poetics Theater, also by Fence Books, was a 2007 National Poetry Series selection. He is the recipient of a New York State Fellowship in Poetry, and his poetry has appeared in numerous anthologies, including Against Expression, Diasporic Avant-Garde's Best American Poetry. Rodrigo works for the Labor Institute in conjunction with the United Steel Workers, and the National Institute for Environmental Health Science. 
He is the Hurricane Sandy Cleanup Health and Safety Training Director, National Training Coordinator for Communication Workers of America, and Chief Liaison between National Day Laborers Organizing Network and USW, building self-sustaining worker co-ops in green construction and toxic site abatement. He is a certified OSHA outreach trainer with four licenses from the University of Southern Florida. Rodrigo logs in an average of 10,000 flying miles per month and 40 miles per week of running. He is a co-founder of the North Brooklyn Runners. He also enjoys playing piano and maintains a much reduced but still vibrant bohemian way of haunting the Greenpoint Township of Brooklyn. I would like to extend a very warm welcome to my guests. Thank you, Mark and Chen and Rodrigo. So because there is no text for me to direct listeners to, it is important that we read and discuss much of Xu Li Chia's, his work as we can. Mark, would you mind reading the poem you chose and give us a brief idea about why that piece resonated with you? Sure. Uh, I'll start by reading the poem. It's called, I Fall Asleep Just Standing Like That. The paper before my eyes fades yellow. With a steel pen, I chisel it on uneven black, full of working words. Workshop, assembly line, machine, work card, overtime, wages. They've trained me to become docile. Don't know how to shout or rebel. How to complain or denounce. Only how to silently suffer exhaustion. When I first set foot in this place, I hoped only for that gray payslip on the tenth of each month to grant me some belated solace. For this, I had to grind away my corners, grind away my words, refuse to skip work, refuse sick leave, refuse leave for private reasons, refuse to be late, refuse to leave early. By the assembly line, I stood straight like iron, Hands like flight. How many days, how many nights did I, just like that, standing, fall asleep? Um, it was really difficult to pick which of the poems to read because I found all of them um, so powerful. But this one, uh, it, it was simultaneously both the language itself within the poem and particularly that line, don't know how to shout or rebel. Um, because in a way, since these poems have become published, they have become the poet's shouts and poet's rebelling. Uh, you know, they spread everything from the London Book Review to the Poetry Foundation blog has published these and republished them. And, I, and it's brought us all together to talk about them in this podcast today. Mm -hmm. uh, that poem in particular gave me pause. I mean, when I first read them, um, you know, I'm not going to lie, they, they, you know, made me kind of weepy because there's such a simplicity to the language that takes you exactly to where the poet was. Like, he, he wasn't dressing up his experience. He was showing you the banality and the monotony of it. And, and it felt gray. I mean, the world felt gray when, when I read that. Um, would either of our other guests care to weigh in on that piece? Yeah, um, it, it, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting, uh, Mark, that you, uh, that you, uh, 
sort of like emphasize the, the, the exhaustion and the setting of foot in this place in, in your reading. Uh, as you read it, organically I could feel where, where you felt your, 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 you know, your, intelli- your intellectual and your, and your emotional uh, sides of you sort of come together. And I think that that is a, sort of a, a testament to the power of, of this poem. Um, I, I, I can't imagine uh, how far away we are from, from, from the original Chinese, but, but the, the content is so, is so striking that, that I think it, it, it comes through. And that, that really surprised I didn't really expect um, to, be, to be moved so quickly by, by this first poem. Mm, absolutely. And, and speaking of how far we are from the original language, um, Shang-Ching, would you read the piece that you chose for today um, first in its native tongue and then in English? Uh, sure. Um, I choose the first poem. Um, it's called um, On My Deathbed, and I'll read the Chinese first. 我想再看一眼大海，目睹我半生的泪水有多汪洋。我想再爬一爬高高的山，试着把丢失的灵魂喊回来。我想再唱原上躺着，翻阅妈妈给我的圣经。我还想摸一摸天空，碰一碰那么
um, I are really um, like amazed and uh, touched by the way that um, he was um, control and handle um, his emotions um, in such kind of cool manner. Um, and by doing so, it's really a, a very, very um, chilly and uh, um, heart-rending kind of poem to read. Um, and I also like um, in the poem that he uses this kind of um, uh, repetitions um, uh, in terms of uh, structure. Um, the, the poem begins with uh, the four uh, paragraphs. Um, uh, with the repetitive uh, structure, it's, uh, it means that I want to do something. And the one line is actually uh, missing from our uh, current uh, version. Um, so the, uh, the second of uh, the sentence, he said, I want to try to come back the soul that I've lost. So we know that the call back the soul um, is kind of folk tradition um, to uh, to call back the soul of the deceased people. Um, so in many ways, like today that um, we um, discuss his poem, is kind of way uh, to call his um, soul back. And then in the third sentence, um, the same paragraph that um, he said that he, I want to uh, lay down on the grassland to read the Bible. So I think um, in uh, this two paragraphs that uh, um, the on the literally on the doorsteps uh, to the death that he invoked this different religious tradition, but we truly don't know whether he find the silence um, in those traditions uh, when he reflect upon the issue of the life and the death. Mm. That's so interesting. Um, I mean, especially having you explain it in this way, because, of course, this is the last poem that, that our poet wrote, and the fact that he was calling back the soul that he lost, and at the same time, hearkening forward. So maybe to him, the afterlife, or his idea of heaven, was actually a retreating back to what he left before he came to work at the factory, back to be, to be home in the grassland with the Bible. And yeah. um, I just also want to add one more detail, which I find um, uh, interesting. Fascinating in, in many ways is that um, he committed suicide on the September 30th. Um, he actually preset um, his Twitter account, uh, which is called uh, Chinese singer Michael Brock, um, on the October 1st. And the message is called Xin de Yi Tian, a new day mm. to the world. But at that time, he already left the world. Um, so it's in the way that whether he is imagined some sort of rebirth um, to this world or certain kind of message um, he, he wants to send to this world, we don't know. Um, but the thing is that um, his uh, poetry collection, um, people try to put together, now is titled uh, A New Day. Wow. Um, so I do want to return to um, his work in a historical context and uh, talk a little bit about translation, but I would love if Rodrigo could um, read the piece that he chose, please. Yes, uh, the piece uh, that I chose uh, is titled The Last Graveyard. The Last Graveyard. Even the machine is nodding off. Sealed workshops store diseased iron, 
wages concealed behind curtains. Like the love that young workers bury at the bottom of their hearts with no time for expression, emotion crumbles into dust. They have stomachs forged of iron, full of thick acid, sulfuric, and nitric. Industry captures their tears before they have the chance to fall. Time flows by, their heads lost in fog. Output weighs down their age. Pain works overtime, day and night. In their lives, dizziness before their time is latent. The jig forces the skin to peel. And while it's at it, plates on a layer of aluminum alloy, some still endure while others are taken by illness. I am dozing between them, guarding the last graveyard of our youth. Thank you. Do you want to speak at all about why this piece resonated with you? Um, this, this piece is, 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 uh, is very interesting to me. Um, is, you know, there's a lot of embedded metaphors about uh, occupational um, you know, illness in, in, the, in the piece. Um, at times, uh, the, the poet um, likens uh, himself to a machine. Uh, at other times, it's a sort of, uh, sort of ghostly distance away from the machine, as the poet speaks. Mm-hmm. And at other times, it's a refusal of the machining itself. Uh, that refusal actually comes at the end when he says, I am dozing between them, guarding the last graveyard of our youth. Guarding is an interesting thing because a guard is something that is placed between a hazard and a worker. A mm-hmm. uh, few lines before that, there's plates on an aluminum alloy that are making people you know, ill. A few lines before that, there's dizziness at the work site that, and there's latency, that is latency of, of, of toxin. Um, line right after that, there's, there's, a, there's a jig, a sort of mechanical um, you know, force on the body that's causing the skin to peel. Uh, four or five lines before that, there's heads lost in fog. I mean, this is a very classic, uh, you know, uh, a classic... Um, Exposure of a worker's body to 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 uh, to you know toxic work conditions and, and dangerous work conditions. Yeah. Um, he wastes no time at the beginning of the poem in saying um, that even the machine is nodding off. Mm-hmm. Very powerful first line. So that that spoke a lot to me um, about about. His, his awareness. His awareness, mm-hmm. and, and but also, but also his his struggle, you know, right at right right on the line, trying to say, you know, not trying to romanticize it from a distance, but trying to be right there where he is, and moving aside a little bit to try to to capture for us. After all, the poems, uh, you know, have made it to us. And the poems, you know, were published. And, and as far as I understand, the poems were published uh, during his life, lifetime as well in, in a journal. 
the Foxconn. So this is not a, a ruminations of a, uh, you know, of a, uh, of an isolated person in the ex, you know in the ultimate sense. It's 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 somebody who's who's cornered, you know, and that's Absolutely. you know. So, um, Mark and Rodrigo, in your opinion and experience, could this poem have been written by somebody living in the United States today? I, 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 absolutely, absolutely. These these um, these uh, productivity programs that that Foxconn, you know, has, where where workers are surveilled and and micromanaged, where their every you know move and. Uh, uh, is is measured in time and tabulated is is something that's a global uh, phenomenon. Uh, workers in factories in all sorts of countries, the U.S. and abroad, and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, experience the same things. And this is something that's been increasing uh, in the last few decades, uh, not decreasing. Mm. What about you, Mark? Have you experienced that? Yeah. I know you do a lot of outreach. Yeah, I mean, I would follow up, too, on what uh, Rodrigo was saying in terms of the, you know, like, this has been, unfortunately, like, years before it, just a, a horrific year for for workers around the world. You know, in, in August of this year at uh, a metal products factory, there was an explosion in China and 75 workers were killed. I, you know, have to update my blog regularly with coal mine disasters from China. You know, 16 workers were killed in an explosion in October, 11 in November. We saw the Soma mine disaster in Turkey with over 300 people killed. The Rana Plaza disaster with, you know, more than 1,000 people killed. Uh, it's, it's, unless you're really paying attention to it, however, we hear very little about these things on the news, or they sort of come and go, they they pass uh, really quickly, and then they're forgotten about. And with that poem that Rodrigo um, read, that, you know, there's was a story fairly recently, uh, earlier this fall, about, uh, I think it was the sixth uh, Chinese worker uh, at that apple plant at Foxconn to die of leukemia. And I think more than a dozen workers in that factory have contracted leukemia, which their families and others say is from the, the chemicals that are handled by the workers. So, so the, the conditions that, uh, you know, workers are facing around the world are, are, are horrific today still. And, and we don't hear nearly enough about it. And maybe through these poems, uh, that becomes one avenue for us to have these conversations and, and, and let people know what's happening. Absolutely. So, um, Shen Ching, we only know about this poet, but it seems that um, the, the problems that he faced are pretty widespread in China. Are there other poets writing this, at least this type of poetry or speaking to these types of experiences? Uh, yes, um, as you know, such um, since the nineties, um, um, there emerged a um, huge population is called migration uh, workers. So they are basically from the uh, rural area, and they um, came to uh, they come to the uh, city like uh, Shenzhen uh, to work uh, for the uh, factories and uh, work at the assembly line. 
Um, so because of the um, emergence of this uh, huge population, actually um, in uh, recent years um, in China's literary scene, there are actually um, some uh, poets and uh, the, uh, writers are emerged. Um, so the Shulitz is definitely uh, not alone um, in this regard. Um, so in uh, the, the poets um, that are all very young and in, in their 20s, and they also write um, extensively about uh, um, their working experience um, dealing with the, um, the migration experience, dealing with the uh, factories, uh, dealing with their, um, their um, very um, hardship in life, etc. So it did start to uh, cause um, some critical um, attention um, in the literary world. Um, I want to uh, mention one female poet. Um, her uh, poetry um, is also has been uh, translated into English. Um, her name is um, Zheng Xiaoqiong, um, and uh, um, she published um, her uh, poetry collections and also uh, received some uh, award. Um, but for the Xulizi's case, I think um, during his lifetime, he actually uh, published some uh, poems um, in the local newspapers and uh, received uh, um, some recognitions um, among his folks. Um, but it is not until um, now after his death um, then his uh, poems is widely circulated um, um, in the internet um, in China. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to get that name from you um, after we're, we're done speaking, and I'd like to make that information available to our listeners. So, um, Mark and Rodrigo, are, are there uh, other American poets, you know, present company excluded, that we should be talking about? Uh, poetry like, 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 um, like, uh, Le Jeu, uh, you know, writes is is not is, is in fact not that common. Uh, people who who write directly about their work condition—that's what's striking about the, this poetry. That said, um, I would say almost all poetry, if not all poetry, is based on you know the labor conditions that that produced the, you know the poetry in question. Mm -hmm. So, in a way, in a manner of speaking, we could say that. All American poets are one form of labor or labor relational poets. Um, you hear uh, poets uh, far and wide um, writing about about labor. Uh, Jill Maggie, uh, for example, wrote a, a, as an American poet who wrote a whole book about her research in the library about. Um, the changing uh, uh, landscape of, of languages related to, to, to poetry. It's sort of an archive, archival uh, kind of, of, of project. Mm -hmm. uh, other people um, have written um, occasional poems, poems within their own, you know, uh, other works that, that touch on, 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 on these, the subject of, of labor. But here, this, this, this poetry here is, is about is about uh, exploitation, you know, and the effects of that exploitation. If, if, if I could, there's, there's a six or rather a, looks like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight line poem, if I could read that here that, um, sure. that he wrote, yeah, which is very really striking because 
and I'll tell you why I find it striking. It's called A Screw Fell to the Ground. Mm-hmm. A Screw Fell to the Ground in this dark night of overtime, plunging vertically, lightly clinking. It won't attract anyone's attention. Just like last time, on a night like this, when someone plunged to the ground. Now, you might think that that poem there is a poem of defeat, or a poem of, well, here, here, here it goes again. Or actually, the poem begins with uh, an absolute focus, attention, mm-hmm. on at the workplace conditions. That the pith from where rebellion and transformation by a focus on a screw falling to the ground in this dark night of overtime. This is not a, a, a lightly humanistic overbrushing of of ideals of potential you know, uh, resistance. This is probably, see, because when the, when the poem ends, it ends like a vacuum, right? The, mm-hmm. Like all the air disappears. Yes. And, and when you have a vacuum, something has to fill that vacuum. And mm-hmm. so these poems are, are very uh, determined, uh, quiet, um, defiant uh, poems, to, to my mind at least. No, I, I agree. And it was this poem that made me pay attention to the level of the poet's awareness. Because um, I know, we all know that this happened. He was working, a screw fell to the ground, it made him think of a body, and he sh- is showing us the type of historical, social, and real awareness that he has of his condition, not only what he's physically doing to his body, mind, and soul, but what that means to his family, to his society. And it's, I think, and I believe it's that level of awareness that made him commit suicide, because how can somebody continue on with the monotony of that life when they are aware on so many different levels of what is happening to them? So, speaking of awareness, um, Mark and Rodrigo, you are both labor activists, and you are aware of quite a bit, um, quite a bit more than I would say the the general public. How does that feed your creative work, or does it at all? These poems, Mark. Not necessarily these poems. Um, oh. your, your own poems, like how how does your labor activism and the roles that you play as an activist outside of being a poet, how does that inform your work? Does it translate over? Do you, th- do you find them to be entirely separate entities? Rodrigo, you want to go first? Uh, Mark, why don't you take it up? Okay. Well, uh, you know, for me, what's really happened is that in the past, uh, I don't know, 10 to 12 years, that I've really been focusing more and more on facilitating creative writing workshops for workers because uh, what we really need to have happen is have these poems come out and worker poets be appreciated for them so that situations like we're talking about today actually don't happen and, and people are are seen as the kind of poets of their generation while they're still alive. You know, there was a recent article in the New York Times about uh, 
the about how worker poets in China have actually been winning lately international poetry competition, artsbeijing.com, uh, sponsored an international Chinese poetry prize, and it was won by a worker. I'm just going to read one uh, quick sentence from it, uh, from the New York Times article. It says, for 11 years, starting in 2003, Mr. Wu stood at a conveyor belt in a factory in southern China, his hands working and his mind wandering, scribbling verses on the back of worksheets that he later transcribed in his dormitory. Uh, and so here's a poet who, you know, uh, has been given some acclaim for his work who comes from working in a factory in southern China. And I would say that that story is one that in these workshops that I have been leading, uh, I hear over and over again, I remember a story about a guy who uh, worked at the now closed uh, St. Paul Ford Assembly Plant in Denny, who when he signed up for my poetry workshop said he had been keeping like notes in a little notebook in his pocket for probably 25, 30 years and never knew what to do with them until there was a chance for him to take this poetry course. Or I had a, uh, did a workshop with migrant farm workers in the Hudson River Valley last year, uh, a series of workshops, and one of the poets seemed as if he disappeared and we had given them these notebooks to write their poems in and Several workshop sessions later, like five, six weeks later, he returned from going home to Mexico, came back to the workshop, and, you know, I asked him if he had written anything while he was away, and he pulled out the notebook, and he had like a five-page long poem that he had written back when he was in his hometown in Mexico. So I think there are, are people out there who are workers out there who are doing this, but... Um, they don't have they don't have the avenue to know how do I go from writing something down on a piece of paper to linking up to the poetry community or getting this work out there, reading it for other people who might be interested, etc. And so, for me, that's the kind of work that needs to be done to try to make more of this kind of work accessible. I I have to say, um, Jen, that I, I obviously you know Mark's a friend of mine, but I, I really admire that. That perspective that he just he just uh, laid bare before us, um, you know, involving uh, workers in the actual process of, of of them expressing their you know their their lives and their conditions and their projections of their hopes and desires. Um, since uh, the, since I kind of work um, a lot uh, during the day uh, on sort of uh, it's it's my job right to to organize and to and to connect the dots and helping people how to fight back. It's a 24-hour, you know, a day job, basically. Yeah. Um, the kind of work that I do is, um, is more, I would say, even uh, sort of a, a, real, a realism that's, that uses, uh, you know, the power of fable, almost, in a sort of an abstraction. So I, I spent my, my poetic uh, uh, energies go into... Into creating works that reabstract the conditions of workers and take them to a sort of a, a higher level. So it, it almost like be saying like I'm like it's almost like saying I, I translate things. Mm-hmm. I want to I want to read if, if if you don't mind half a page of a recent uh, section from Explosion Rocks Springfield, a okay. poem I think that resonates well with 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 uh, Le Jeu. Um, That'd be great. Okay, so the, the, the poem is a series of 
87 lines, and they all begin with the line that says, The Friday evening gas explosion in Springfield leveled a strip club next to a daycare. Okay, so there's variations on that. And so mm-hmm. here's like the, the 57th iteration of, of, that, of that line. Uh, I should say one thing, too. The, the explosion in Springfield, Massachusetts, was a real, um, a neat, what we call a near miss, where people got hurt but nobody got killed. It was, an, it was a, a gas leak that, that lev- literally leveled a strip club and a daycare that was next to it where nobody happened to be there on that day. So something very frightening, it, 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 it caught my attention, is how important work conditions are, you know, for, for the, not just for the workers but for the general public. Mm-hmm. Spartacus sprinklers, top rail, serial number 21809A, inspector. Or ADF, Jiangxi Quality Products, Nighthawk Importers, San Bruno, California, Roman Roads Distributors, Phoenix, Arizona, Port of Entry, Tacoma, Washington, Tankard, 10179.03, Inspector, 4201, International Labor Organization Quarterly Report, Case Study, 1142, Ting Ting Liu, 23 Female, female, ID 41732, platform 12, line 8, station 4, muscular skeletal paralysis, third metatarsal tape to second phalangeal, fourth proximal splinted into fifth distal, OSHA region 1 final report, incident 2267, explosion, gas, inspector 505F, sprinklers inoperable, logic tree branch 20, System of safety failure, mitigation device, 16 drill hold stoppers, weld burrs not filled, citation, 299 CFR 1910-159. Notes, Inspector 505F on leave, Department of Labor, budget sequestered. Public Law 112-25, District 2, 112th Congress, United States of America. Thank you very much. So we, we have a connection to China mm. and the Chinese workers. Those uh, mistaken people in the labor movement who say that the China is the problem are not looking deep enough in, into the lives and working conditions of, of the Chinese people. This poem that I just read, I think, spans the, the place of production in China all the way to the problems that we have in the U.S. And that, that's, that's, so that's how I do things. I try to connect the dots, as I said. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I, I do want to just briefly speak a little bit about the craft and the translation. Um, Chen Ching, can you let us know how true to life these translations are and also, if you could comment briefly on um, the type of poetry that he's writing, is this indicative or representative of contemporary Chinese poetry, or is he playing with form? Okay. Um, I think um, the, those translations that uh, we have in English, um, they, are, they are fine. Um, they are... Um, they're readable um, translation, but um, they probably 
uh, to a certain extent uh, in a hurry. So it um, uh, sometimes it's uh, miss the uh, meanings um, of the uh, original text, um, and uh, um, sometimes it did not uh, certain in certain phrases and places it did not uh, truly rendered um, the, um, the the meanings that uh, the original uh, original text have. But I think overall, um, and I think it's it's a fine fine job. Um, I think um, the the poems that you provide for us. I just want to say that uh, um, th this selection of the poems um, is in the ways uh, because in the light of um, his um, um, suicide. Um, so in the way that the uh, choice of the poems are centered around those issues related to um, his working experience and full of this um, image of the death. Um, this kind of image um, and his uh, feelings. But I also want to mention that uh, he wrote about um, 200 poems. Mm -hmm. um, his style um, actually is very versatile. Um, so he, uh, in many of his poems, he does has a very humorous kind of tones. And uh, it is fascinating to see that he actually also um, the experiment um, the poetic forms a lot. Um, in a very um, interesting and uh, uh, sometimes we can say like postmodern kind of ways. Um, for instance, he has a poem called um, A Death Announcement of a Peanut. Um, so, um, and in that whole poem, it is reads like a, a product's labor. Um, it's, a, it's a labor of the um, peanut butter. Um, so it has the, um, the name, it has the producer, it has the expiration date, etc. So you will see that uh, through this kind of parody, he really um, fully aware this kind of um, human labor and uh, alienation um, attached to the production of the uh, commercial product. So things like that, he actually has a um, range of um, different uh, um, topics and the styles. Um, so, um, so I think in, in in this way that he is, um, it's a it's a very sad fact that he's a, he is indeed a, a very talented uh, poet. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of um, his um, overall um, status in the contemporary Chinese uh, poetic scene. Um, I think um, he he is. Um, we will see that now because of his death, um, that he received a lot of uh, critical recognition. But uh, uh, when people are rediscovered him now, um, quite a few poets and the contemporary critics they did express their um, opinions uh, about um, his poetry and truly appreciate um, his um, ta poetic talents. Um, and uh, uh, also, there's a quite a, uh, the the poetry writing um, in contemporary China is a quite a lively um, scenes, and it's a it's a very um, popular literary genre that's um, beloved by the um, by by the young peoples. Um, but I think um, in conjunction with what. Uh, um, Mark said earlier, I think I really um, admire you guys uh, do a lot of work to do the poetry workshop and also um, to try to um, to connect your own creative work uh, with um, the workers. So I think in China the situation is different um, in the way that uh, those uh, workers, they, they might like uh, 
write or read the poems, um, but there's uh, uh, they they also not uh, did not receive a very high education. But in the way that this is a genre that they like to write, um, but on the other hand, they there's no proper kind of guidance um, they can receive um, um, in, in the uh, factories. Yeah. yeah. Well, I you know maybe the best type of poetry is the the ones you know the poems that are born from a lack of official knowledge or academic knowledge of poetry um, for sure. So the he has a pretty large body of work. Are these poems going to appear in the collection A New Day that you mentioned before? Yes. Yes. Oh, mm-hmm. good. Okay. Excellent. Well, um, I'll put information about that up on the site as well for. Our listeners, um, before I read the final poem, um, I wanted to ask Mark and Rodrigo if if it's uh, just me, or does it feel like we are on the precipice of some type of resurgence of social realist art? Are we seeing it more, or am I just hyper focused because that that's what I write? Can I can I? I'll pick up on that. Okay. I I think that. Um, you know what we're Mark. Uh, I, I think I think that you know the, the, the what we used to call high culture, uh, which was largely in um, so people associated with it, it, high culture being ensconced in, in higher education, has become a little belated by now because those stations, suppose that high stations are becoming increasingly, um, you know, uh, compressed and, and, and sped up and, and degraded. So these same sort of production, uh, you know, uh, demands have have arrived on on campuses. So more and more people seem to to be open to to writing um, about their actual uh, conditions. For example, at the at the uh, AWP conference, American Writers Conference of Programs in Minneapolis this this uh, coming uh, spring. There's several panels that have to do with with labor, mm. poetry and labor. Um, you know, that's something that we didn't see before. Uh, so, Mark, you could probably pick up the baton there. <laughs> I, I think that we're just also in an era where, thankfully, thankfully, social movements have become stronger in terms of their protests. I mean, I think of everything from Occupy Wall Street to recent things in Ferguson and Eric Garner and the Hong Kong protests. And and I think that, you know, hopefully poetry more and more continues to find its way towards that. Uh, it uh, I think it certainly can and should be part of the conversation. Uh, I think it hasn't been enough uh, in in prior years. And so, you know, I don't know if it's a return to socialist realism, but certainly uh, a, a linking up with the social movements that are responding to, to all the things that we're seeing around the world, I think, is a, offers a great possibility for, for us as writers and thinkers. Yeah, it's making me optimistic, and that's hard. I, I want to say, Jen, that I, I can't wait till this till this poet's volume uh, comes out in its completeness. Uh, it's a very sad occasion, you know, being only just a few months away from from his his death. But I think it's a. Hopefully, we're participating in, in the beginning 
of the celebration of, of, of the vision that, that he had. Uh, because for every poem that he wrote about compression, there has to be a vision of expansion. Mm-hmm. No poet writes small poems, one after the next, about compression without imagining expression, uh, com- um, expansion. And his last poem, the first one, or have, have we read his last poem? Yes, uh, yeah, that that one, yeah, and that one I think expresses to us where we need to to pick up, you know, the struggle. Yeah, he's definitely left us with a tremendous gift in these these poems and the sacrifice that he made to to get them to us. Um, I had wanted to read um, our final poem. I was hoping that I could read it in English and that maybe Shenqing could then read it in its native language so that we could end this podcast somewhere close to um, Shu Lichi's voice. Is that okay? Sure. Okay, so I'm going to read, My life's journey is still far from complete. This is something no one expected. My life's journey is far from over, but now it's stalled at the halfway mark. It's not as if similar difficulties didn't exist before, but they didn't come as suddenly, as ferociously, repeatedly struggle. But all is futile. I want to stand up more than anyone else, but my legs won't cooperate. My stomach won't cooperate. All the bones of my body won't cooperate. I can only lie flat in this darkness sending out a silent distress signal again and again, only to hear again and again the echo of desperation. Shall I read it in Chinese? Yes, please. Okay. 我一生中的路还远远没有走完。这是谁都没有料到的。我一生中的路还远远没有走完。就要倒在半路上了我的胃不答应um, I want to thank Mark, Xinqing, and Rodrigo for coming on and sharing in this experience with me. It, it means a lot to me. Um, poets reveal what we may not want to see, but must. This is Jen Fitzgerald for New Books and Poetry, reminding you to support all the arts, but especially poetry. Poetry.